Bonjour, bienvenue au le pod musique classique. There's a French flavor to today's episode as we take the next step in our series of neglected pieces with a little help from Adele. There's also ample opportunity to slander Hector Berlioz and Tom Hiddleston simultaneously. We pay tribute to the composer of the Channel 4 news theme. And receive police guidance on where not to practice your flute. As I'm sure you'll know, the new ABBA album, Voyage, has just been released. Sam, excited? Mm, pumped. A whole 40 years after their last one. It's been getting some good reviews in the press, with many praising Benny and Beyond's searing indifference <laughs> to the shifting tides of pop fashion. There are also a few Easter eggs for us classical bunnies, one of which can be heard in the final track on the album, Ode to Freedom. I'm going to play you as long a clip as I can without getting sued by Universal, and I need you to tell me which piece Benny has pickpocketed. Oh, what is that? Is that Tchaikovsky? Um. Swan Lake? Yay! But I'm just, I'm, I'm so thrown by the idea that he's written a piece called Ode to Something and then not. And, and then used a piece of classical music and it's not Ode to Joy. Um, it feels like an odd... Well, it's particularly because you're asking me in a quiz, Tim. And frankly, I was really prepared to smugly say Ode to Joy even before I'd heard it. <laughs> and then I'm now in a Tchaikovsky spin. Now, well, notice that the time signature has been craftily switched from a triple waltz time to 4-4. Four, four. You can't dance disco in three, Tim. No, those crafty Swedes can't hide from us. What else have ABBA been in the news for this week? Ooh, um... Are they doing a chess revival? God, I'd love it if they're doing a chess oh, revival. Imagine. No, according to Metro, the band who was shot to fame in 1974 after, of course, winning Eurovision with Waterloo, mm. have offered to write next year's UK entry into the song contest on the condition that it be performed by somebody, quote unquote, really good. Hey, well, you're free, aren't you? I am Step free. up to him. Uh, well, you'd be mad to turn them down, their songwriting chops. They're... Yeah, I mean, we're famously coming last all the time, so maybe yeah, if I we think... camouflage ourselves with some Swedes, it might help. Yeah, two years in a row, I think we've been last. Uh, you mentioned chess. 
on the theme of musicals, you may have heard a film adaptation of Stephen Schwartz's Wicked is in the pipeline, featuring mm. In the Heights director John M. Chu. You've seen In the Heights, haven't you? I haven't seen In the Heights, but oh. I think he did do Crazy Rich Asians, which was very fun. Okay. Which pop sensation this week announced she'd be starring as Galinda in this Wicked adaptation? Oh, I, I feel rusty, Tim, on these because we haven't on had a pop quiz sensations. in a little while. <laughs> rusty on pop sensations. All my pop sensations are getting back together with Ben Affleck and finally freeing themselves of conservatorship, so I'm well out of date. Maybe if it's... Because Galinda's the good fairy, isn't mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. I would cast Miley Cyrus because I think that would be a little snub of the nose to her Disney roots and it'd be a fun subversion of expectations and i bet she could sing it because she's yeah i I mean that's a classic poppleton casting isn't it but (laughs) i didn't know this it's it's ariana grande oh well she can sing great she she can sing really well and i didn't know this but she actually got her big break as a teenager on broadway playing a cheerleader in the musical 13 and yet as you say she's fantastic singer here's a clip of her singing the wizard and i at the musical's 15th anniversary show in 2018 couple of flute-themed felonious news items for you, Sam. Why was a man pulled over in Toronto last month and given a motor violation? So felonious is criminal. So we are... I mean, surely he's not playing the flute whilst driving, he? is. He He is. Correct. We're all trying to make those marginal gains, but that's not good practice time. It's not. Apparently the officer found, uh, quote-unquote, the driver playing his flute with both hands and following (laughs) along to an iPod while driving. A spokesperson for Halton Regional Police Department was unfortunately unable to confirm what song the flautists had been playing along to, though they did share the story on Twitter with the hashtag Flutes and Driving Don't Mix. God. You've got to be pretty stressed out about an upcoming audition or something, haven't you, if that's going to be the case. Mm. I knew a guy who used to keep a trumpet mouthpiece in his car for traffic to just get a little buzz going. Yeah, well, Martha's dad keeps a... uh... A a tambourine in his tambourine in his car yeah so there we go and inspiration strikes while waiting to audition for the national polish radio symphony orchestra what happened to the flautist jan schlapp great name mm-hmm. just straight off the straight off the bat i feel like my polish satire my ability to interact with this in a humorous way is limited at the moment all i've really got is that donald tusk was polish and i remember him from great polish uh, so maybe Tusk turned up and congrats, like wished him luck. Oh, he's also no. a flautist. According to Polish newspaper Onet, the head joint of Jan's flute was stolen by a fellow auditionee. That's at the a mean move. It's disgraceful, isn't it? And actually just really stupid because he now faces the possibility of jail time. I mean, come on. <laughs> Tim, I see in the notes here you've just written flute pun. Yeah, brackets, uh, flute theft pun. I thought I'd just leave it open. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, I'll just reach off the shelf and, and find my, my thieving flutes. Uh, how, uh, okay, what have this criminal investigation and flute audiences got in common? I don't know. Everyone will be relieved when the case is closed. <laughs> no? No, I like yeah. it a lot. All right. God, flute music is terrible. No! No! 
on the subject of stolen instruments, why was a violin confiscated at a Moldovan airport this month? I don't know, and I'm not going near airport violin puns. That's it. No. You've had your fill. Fair enough. It, Alexandra Kononova's 2 million euro 1785 Guadagini violin on loan from Swiss violinist Cedric Berger was seized by customs officers when she failed to declare the instrument's value. Apparently they had, quote-unquote, no reason to doubt that Alexandra does not own this violin absolutely legally, and it, quote-unquote, must be proven by the appropriate documents. According to the Violin Channel, as of November 3rd, they have yet to return it. So, well, they just take it because she hasn't said that it's... Yeah. But you said at the beginning of of the intro, Tim, that it's worth 2 million euros. Why don't you just say that? I I, I don't know, but I think the charge is smuggling, so... Wow. Mm. Be careful, violinists, yeah. Contraband. There's a there's a pun there. Or maybe you finally circled back round, or maybe we could get all the stolen instruments together <laughs> to make a contraband. Mm, very good. Yeah. On to my final question. As listeners will know, we've lost some truly great artists in the past month. Bernard Heitink, Nelson Freer. We will both be hugely missed by the classical music community. We also lost a legendary TV composer, one who has arguably had more cultural cut through than either Freer or Heitink. I am, of course, talking about the great Alan Hawkshaw. Sam, I need you to name three of his iconic TV themes. Oh, good one. Um, Grange Hill. Mm-hmm. And um, that was my Grange Hill, by the way. <laughs> uh, uh, he's Countdown. Mm-hmm. Beautiful trumpet solo for the, the other one. Trumpet solo. Ah, are we on Channel 4 News? Do, 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 do. do. It's like it's like a whole John Adams symphonic poem condensed into it's beautiful two minutes. And there's something rather poignant about the man who wrote the countdown theme tune dying. I don't know, it's sort of like a musical memento mori. I hadn't realised, but he also wrote the 1979 Billboard topping disco track "Here Comes That Sound Again," which listeners might know better in its sampled form in the Sugarhill Gang's "Rapper's Delight." So he wrote the thing that is then sampled in mm-hmm. Rapper's Delight. Mm-hmm. Wow. Pretty cool. That's really cool. You know the bad Jimmy Carr joke about, well, it was when Richard Whiteley died. Um, no, I don't know. Tell me. Now that Alan Hawkshaw has, has, gone, has gone as well, um, it's that the the heart monitor goes beep, beep. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I had wanted to play a clip of that theme to round off the quiz but that feels in rather bad taste now so let's go for the Channel 4 News theme instead you got to pick a pocket or two Man in the Mirror written by Glenn Ballard Cedar Garrett Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones in 1988. (laughs) The Antiques Roadshow theme tune, written by Paul Reed and Tim Gibson in 1991. You got to pick a pocket or two. Hey Sam, I've set up a coffee donation page for the podcast. What is a coffee donation page, Tim? 
It's like Patreon, in that it allows people to financially support creative projects they enjoy. If you'd like to buy us a tasty coffee, at least in the description. If you'd like to buy us a tasty coffee, at least in the description. If you'd like to buy us a coffee, if you'd like to buy us a tasty Tim, as you know, there is one composer regularly performed in concert halls all over the world who I'm just not a fan of. Fair to say you'd steer away from their music. I'd undergo minor surgery, probably, rather than settle in for a lesson. With a homeopathic anaesthetist. And a nervous surgeon, even. At a grimy bar. Which is where the surgery is taking place. With an audience of self-satisfied city boys. Keen to maintain conversation whilst I'm under the scalpel. And share their thoughts on the merits of private ownership of utilities. I mean, maybe I'd listen to some Berlioz if that grim scenario was the other option. But for my money, that 19th century Frenchman plays a bigger role than I believe he deserves. Like... Tom Hiddleston does in every film. Yes, I suppose Hector Berlioz is like Tom Hiddleston, but at least Berlioz never unironically sang Michael Jackson to a bunch of Koreans. I'm gonna make a change for once in my life. A tough comparison to make, as Berlioz really didn't have the opportunity to go to Korea or sing music composed decades after his death. But we're not using today's analysis to pile more verbal excrement on Berlioz or even the sub cummerbatch sub-Redmain Hiddleston today. Instead, I've got a piano, flute and cello trio for you by a different composer who I'm keen to explore more of and possibly even a little link to Beethoven and our canonical history of music. I wonder, dear listeners, if you can guess who this is by. I bet there are a few answers bouncing around at home. Mendelssohn, perhaps. Oh, yes, very good, but not right. I like his paintings best. Uh, the two shoes, Bert and Mann. As close as Bert and Ernie, but not correct. Perchance you might have wondered about Spore or Hummel. Alas, they're not the one either. You'll have to put us out of our misery, Sam. This charming trio in four movements, published in 1862, is by Louise Ferranc. Another goose impression. To go with Polonc. <laughs> I guess you could say we were all far wrong with our guesses. Here are a few things I really enjoy about this piece that might give listeners a little impetus to get thinking about it in a section we're calling Like comparing Cumberbatch to Hiddleston, Farronk doing what Berlioz can't. The first movement starts off with Louise being a cheeky composer. What a playful lass. A lot of composers would start their pieces by laying down a bit of material in the tonic or home key. Seems reasonable. Get everyone settled into the intro. But Louise starts off on the dominant chord five, kind of like a bluff to our listener, who then gets steered towards the home key during the slow introduction. 
Ah, it's like we're witnessing the second half of a boomerang throw. Yet we start with the return journey. I guess that also gives a sense of purpose to having a slow introduction. It's not just there because it's a trope, it's setting us up. Yeah, not just slowly establishing the key before quickly establishing the key. Could you demonstrate how that might work using a contemporary songster? Of course. Let's have a conventional intro and then tweak it to be Faronkish. 5% Greg's shareholder, mononym and queen of the slow minor introduction, Adele, begins her hit Hometown Glory like this. With a full boomerang loop from the tonic background to the tonic, establishing a minor tonal centre. A conventional intro. That's a full throw of the boomerang. If she took the Faronk-like approach, she'd be doing something like this. Where we only hear the boomerang's return. How mysterious to start a long way from her hometown, but meandering towards it just in time for the glorious beginning of the movement proper. Here's what it sounds like in the real piece. Check out that perky little rest after the main chords as well. Faronk doing what Berlioz can't do. There's bags of imitation in this movement. What's imitation? This is imitation. 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 A sort of copying or dialogue. It's the same musical idea being repeated and bounced around the ensemble. Yeah, it's, it's used all over music from every time and genre, and whenever I hear it, there's always a sense of musicians playing with each other, not just near or at the same time, but communicating between themselves. I also rather like how Ferenc uses alternations between major versions and minor imitations. Have a listen here. Faronk doing what Berlioz can't. Three. In the development section, that middle tension heightening phrase of the piece, Faronk cranks the keys up chromatically, which he also manages to do seamlessly. You barely notice it at the time. You just feel the stakes rising. And it feels to me like she's often slipping things under the radar, particularly her transitions from one section to another. They're so smooth that by the time you realise you've left one section behind, you're plunged into the middle of the next. A little magic trick. Here's one of those elisions. Can you spot when the new section has begun?
So there are three little ways into a piece that I think has been a bit neglected. Louise Ferranc's piano, flute and cello trio. Sam, you mentioned Beethoven earlier. I did, can't help it. And he's always popping off the top of this esophagus. And whenever we read about him, and in particular his death, there's always this great big crisis in music. What can we do post-Beethoven? He's broken the game, completed it. And that's not totally something we've back-projected onto history. Contemporary events and accounts suggest everyone in the musical world was affected by the passing of this celebrated genius. We've had a fair few examples of his influence in our pickpockets before, actually. And the conventional wisdom, certainly the narrative that I've absorbed, is that in Germany, people like Schumann and Mendelssohn kind of muddled on a bit, writing basically within the style of Ludwig, continuing to create a German-centric tradition. Whilst in France, Berlioz writes his completely inexcusable music, informed by Beethoven, but reacting against it to create something distinctly French and other. So does Ferenc's trio puncture this wisdom? I think there's a case that it's not just a neglected piece, but that its work and her compositional oeuvre has actually been neglected by the historical narrative as well. Is she a French composer closer to Beethoven than Berlioz, then? Well, starting a slow introduction to a movement on a dominant is quite a Beethovenian move. See the first symphony for a 20-bar emotional odyssey that puts our boomerangs to shame. And chucking a cheeky little rest into your intro is kind of Ludwig's thing. Then that development section, harmony. There's a very, very similar chromatic ascent in his piano trio, Opus 97. Not quite pickpocketing, but modelling for sure. She's even calling her song-like second movement, the Auf Deutsch description, leader, not melody. Elle française. Yeah, oui. I want to hear more of this German-inspired French composer who wrote symphonies. She premiered her third in the same concert as a performance of Beethoven V, so obviously wasn't afraid of the connection. Frank also shared her approach with her pupils at the Paris Conservatoire. Sounds like she's been missing from the story. And her music shows that a key bit of the narrative has been missing from how we talk about the music of the French 19th century. Concert halls have had a lot of Berlioz and his reaction against Beethoven. And to my mind, it sounds horrendous. But now we need to introduce those who followed in Beethoven's footsteps, like Ferenc. I want less Hiddleston and more Cumberbatch, please. Amazing. And um, Tom Hiddleston ordering a Big Mac at McDonald's. Hi, yeah. Um, I'd like to have um, your Mac, your Big Mac, please. And some fries. And a shake, too. And some chicken and oats. And while you're at it, can I have a quarter pound of cheese? And a fillet of fish, if they still do this. Thanks. Just a final note on neglect. The flute often gets really short thrift in the Romantic era. Perhaps people didn't think it had the emotional range or gravitas of the other solo instruments, but basically people stop writing chunky, expressive pieces for it. If you're a flautist in search of some Romantic chamber music, then check this piece of Ferranc out. It was dedicated to a guy called Louis de Rousse, who helped push the boom key system and meant you got to a top G sharp. Composer fact file, Louise Franck. Born Jean-Louise Dumont in 1804 in Paris. She studied with her godmother, then Johann Nepomuk Hummel. Dumont was married at 17 to a flute-playing music publisher called Aristide Ferranc. Her compositions were praised by Schumann and 
Berlioz. In 1845, her 30 Etudes was adopted as part of the Paris Conservatoire piano curriculum, embedding her in the pedagogical repertoire. She stopped composing and public performance when her daughter Victoria died aged 32 in 1859. Pieces like the trio, which were published post-59, were written earlier. The trio was premiered by the cellist Le Bouc, dedicatee of Saint-Saëns' The Swan. She became a full-time professor at the Paris Conservatoire in 1842 and, on request, was paid the same as the male staff. Her biographer B. Friedland described her as a geneticist's dream, as she came from six generations of successful artists. Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog is out there, still circling like a shark in the water, forced to eat a kangaroo testicle. His liver was pecked out by an eagle. What monkey glands are they eating? His dog uh, just made a more sensible contribution uh, than he did. Yes, Kermit the Frog sang. We will take back control of our fisheries. Unnecessarily rude to Miss Piggy, I thought. He's a very eel-like customer. But it is up to us now to let that lion roar. And time, I think, to put a bit of a tiger in the tank and, and get this thing done. Kermit the Frog. Yes, Kermit the Frog is out there. Still circling like a shark in the water. Straight into a massive elephant trap. I swallowed a bug. This is not all about some expensive green act of bunny hugging. I know it's bunny hugging, but you, you, you know what I'm driving at. We send you penguins and they're the bear. Uh, those are not, that's not mine. Uh, I mean, that, that, well. Whoa! <laughs> We've had some donations to our coffee donation page. Crikey. Thanks for sending those in, guys. Especially a thank you to Chris Legg, who has attached to his little financial gift a musical one as well. He said we should check out Fran Schmidt's Symphony No. 4 as a neglected piece that needs a bit of lifting up. So that's my next week sorted. I'm mm-hmm. going to be listening to that game to know that. Don't know it at all, Chris. So thank you very much for steering me towards it. We'll analyse for money should be the new strap line. Yeah, I should get t-shirts made. Do we ever do that mug for Anna Atwood? No, we need to do that mug. Actually, we need to watch how we're spelling analyse as well. No!